reading from the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? The word of the Lord. Good morning, River City Church. Isn't that, what a handsome scripture reader, right? I'm biased. Um, For those of you who don't know, that's my husband. So I wouldn't, you know, just say that randomly. Um, So today's scripture comes from Jonah chapter 4. And if we can go back to the scripture really quick and just focus on verse 4. And it the question in in the series of God asking, God asks the questions, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? We're all familiar with the book of Jonah, and I just want to give us a quick summary and overview of what this book um, tells us. Most of us are familiar with it, God tells the prophet Jonah in chapter 1 to go to Nineveh and to go preach to the people of Nineveh. But then Jonah runs from that call. In fact, he takes a ship in the opposite direction. And so then God brings a great storm to the sea. The sailors discover that it's Jonah's fault and they throw him overseas. But instead of Jonah drowning, a big fish eats him. And then in that belly of that fish, Jonah comes face to face with the sin before God. And so he repents. And he recommits his life and to obey God. Then the fish throws Jonah up onto the shore and God tells him, go preach to the people of Nineveh. And this time he does. And so then in chapter 3, we see that when he preaches to the people of Nineveh, The people of Nineveh listen, and they repented. And then God does not turn their back on the people of Nineveh, and he spares them. He spares the city. How great would it be if the story just ended there on a happy note, right? Like, what a great book. Antes de continuar con el sermón del día de hoy, quiero hablar un poco del capítulo 4, y me gustaría que hiciéramos un breve resumen de este libro. La mayoría de nosotros estamos familiarizados con el libro de Jonás. Es en este en este libro Dios manda a Jonás a la ciudad de Nínive, les dice, "Ve y predica a la gente", pero Jonás huye de este llamado. De hecho, él toma un barco y va a la dirección opuesta de Nínive. Dios manda una tormenta y los marineros que están en este barco descubren que es por culpa de Jonás, así que lo botan del barco. Un pez se lo come y en el estómago de este pez, Jonás se encuentra cara a cara con el pecado que él ha cometido y delante de Dios tiene un arrepentimiento. Y vuelve a comprometer su vida a dedicarse a predicar la palabra de Dios y a obedecer. 
Después este pez vomita a Jonás en la orilla de la ciudad y le dice nuevamente que vaya a la ciudad de Nínive y que predique la palabra de Dios. Esta vez Jonás hace caso. Y en el capítulo 3 vuelve su mirada, la gente, el pueblo de Nínive, vuelve su mirada a Dios y Dios perdona la ciudad. Y qué bonito sería, ¿no? Que fuera un fin feliz. In chapter 4, we see that rather than Jonah feeling good, like he accomplished what God asked of him, right? Go preach, have people repent. Jonah is angry. We see that he isn't content about the repentance that Nineveh displayed. Jonah wanted to see the people of Nineveh get judged. If we continue reading in verse 5, It says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. En el capítulo 4 vemos que en lugar de que Jonás se sienta bien, se sienta que haya logrado lo que Dios le había pedido, ve, predica, ve, que la gente se arrepienta, Jonás está enojado. Vemos que Jonás no está contento del arrepentimiento de la gente de la ciudad. Jonás quería verlos juzgados. Si continuamos leyendo en el versículo 5, dice, Jonás salió y se sentó al este de la ciudad. Allí hizo un cobertizo y se sentó bajo una sombra para ver qué iba a suceder con la ciudad. At the superficial level, when we see Jonah's reaction, We think, ooh, it's kind of a nasty attitude. What a jerk. Right? Who is Jonah to question God's grace? If it weren't for God's grace, Jonah wouldn't exist as an Israelite. And if we continue reading, we see that Jonah lets out a prayer of anger and just lets God have it. A nivel superficial, cuando vemos la reacción de Jonás, pensamos, ¿y a este qué le pasa? ¿Qué derecho tiene de cuestionar la gracia de Dios? Si no fuera por la gracia de Dios, Jonás no existiría como un israelita. A medida que continuamos leyendo, vemos que Jonás dice una oración y viene de un lugar de enojo. Whether we want to admit it or not. Many of us have been on the same boat as Jonah. I myself confess that I have sometimes been upset, wondering why God has had grace with people or situations that I deemed are not worthy of his grace. Queramos admitirlo, no muchos de nosotros a veces somos igual que Jonás. Nos molestamos cuando vemos que... Nos molestamos cuando vemos que Dios extiende su gracia y su misericordia con gente o situaciones de las cuales no pensamos valen la pena. A few years ago, Jordan and I lived in a building and we had some not very nice neighbors. For a year, these neighbors made us feel unsafe, 
and uncomfortable in our home. They would leave the building door open and so random people would come in and out. They were aggressive towards our caregiver, so much so that eventually she had a conversation with us and said, hey, I no longer feel comfortable taking care of Natalia in your home. One night, they had friends over and they had one too many drinks and started shouting at the top of the staircase just how much they disliked having us as neighbors. We had never met these people. I think maybe we had exchanged a couple of words. And I know that we are getting to know one another, but trust and believe it took everything in me to keep calm and to extend grace. At the time that that situation happened, Natalia was barely an infant. She was just learning how to crawl. And so I considered packing up our bags that night and just spending it at my parents' house for safety reasons. Needless to say, things escalated shortly after. We had to call the police, file police reports, contact administrators, because the icing on the cake was that these were seminary students. And I'll be very honest, just like Jonah, when we reached out to the university administrators, I leaned back, popped a cup of popcorn, and thought, they're going to get it now. Here are the consequences. I was hoping something would be done. I was hoping that justice would be done. But our neighbors were allowed to graduate and continue working in their local church. And because there were no real consequences, when they decided to move out, they trashed Natalia's stroller. Now I'm sure you've seen Natalia running around today just living her best life. Needless to say, I was absolutely livid. And like Jonah, I was very, very mad. I began asking God, what is the point? Why have you called me? Why have you called my husband? All these years in school, all these degrees, what are they good for if no one will listen to me when I ask for help? I let out a very angry prayer and let God have it. Now, I want to preface this by saying I felt very empowered to do so because that summer we had gone to Jordan's hometown church and the pastor preached, the, preached a great sermon and what I got out of that was that I'm not Jesus and so I can't love everyone. And so in that moment, at that time, I can't love and forgive these people who don't deserve it. But like Jonah, if it weren't for God's grace, I myself wouldn't exist. Hace unos años vivíamos en un edificio y teníamos unos vecinos que no eran muy agradables. Durante ese año que estuvimos viviendo en nuestro apartamento, esta gente nos hizo sentir insegura, incómoda en nuestro hogar. 
dejaban la puerta principal del edificio abierta, así que había gente extraña saliendo y entrando. Fueron agresivos con nosotros, fueron agresivos con la muchacha que nos ayudaba a cuidar a Natalia. Una noche invitaron a sus amigos y tuvieron un poco más de tomar. Y así que en el pasillo del edificio empezaron a gritar qué tanto les hacíamos de desagrado. En ese momento Natalia apenas era una bebé y empezaba a gatear, así que tu, tu, quise tomar la decisión de agarrar nuestras maletas y pasar la noche en la casa de mis papás. No hace falta decir que las cosas intensificaron después de ese momento, tanto que tuvimos que llamar a la policía, tuvimos que hacer reportes, incluir administradores de la universidad, porque estos vecinos de nosotros eran estudiantes del seminario, que quiere decir que estaban estudiando para ser pastores. Voy a ser muy honesta, como Jonás, una vez que nos comunicamos con los administradores, yo pensé que todo esto se va a arreglar, pero lo contrario pasó. La universidad dejó que se graduaran y que continuaran trabajando en su iglesia local. Y como no hubieron consecuencias reales, el día que ellos decidieron mudarse del edificio, le echaron basura y nos destruyeron la carriola de Natalia. No hace falta decir lo furiosa que yo estaba, lo enojada que estaba. Y comencé a preguntarle a Dios, ¿cuál es el punto? ¿Para qué me has llamado para servir? ¿Para qué has llamado a mi esposo? ¿De qué sirven todos estos años de escuela? Y porque pude escuchar una predicación cuando fuimos en verano a la iglesia de mi esposo, el pastor había dicho, o bueno, más bien yo entendí, que yo no era Dios, así que no era mi responsabilidad amar a todos. Y en ese momento no podía perdonar a estas personas porque no se lo merecían. Pero al igual que Jonás, si no fuera por la gracia de Dios, yo no estaría aquí. See, this is who God is. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious, God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. The Hebrew word for this kind of grace is And so I'm going to ask the congregation to repeat it. Hanun. Hanun. You guys need to repeat it. Hanun. Hanun. God is Hanun. He is gracious. And when we use this grace in reference to God, this word defines at the core who God is. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 6, we see, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. In, in this verse, 
we see that this is how God chooses to reveal himself to Moses and to the people of Israel as he is freeing them from slavery. These are the very first two words that God uses to describe himself. Merciful and gracious. Up until this point, everyone else throughout scripture has described who God is. But this is who he is saying he is at the core. He is, in fact, gracious. He is, in fact, merciful. In chapter 3, when Jonah preaches, it's not a good sermon. It's a five-word sermon in Hebrew. When it's translated in English, it's eight words. And in fact, I'd like to call what Jonah did a prophetic sabotage. Jonah gives the people of We see the people of Nineveh do repent, even with this very mediocre sermon. How many times have you felt like God has called you or asked you to do something and you're like, well, I don't know. And you do it and then so much grace. So Jonah goes, he does the sermon. It's not all that great. We see that the people repent. And so then Jonah gets angry because his plan didn't work. People, in fact, did repent. And so God uses what Jonah intended to do, the bad he intended to do, and he turns it into good to bring people into repentance, into his presence, and to find grace in life. So God asks the question in verse 4, is it right for you to be angry? In other words, is it right for you, Jonah, to be upset about me showing grace? So we'll keep on reading verses 6 through 11. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which he chewed the plant, so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, so that he grew faint, he wanted to die, and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it. You didn't make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And I should not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and so many animals. So here we go again. 
First, Jonah is angry that God extends grace towards the people of Nineveh. And then verses 6 through 11, we see Jonah get angry about a plant, which is really just misplaced anger. So in verse 9, God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about a plant? He's asking Jonah again the same question he does in verse 4, just with a little spin. Why is God asking Jonah again? Maybe it's because he didn't get an answer the first time in verse 4 and Jonah chose not to engage. But I'm going to rewrite question 4. Verse 4. Is your anger not allowing you to show grace to your enemies? Is that something legitimate? Is your anger about a plant legitimate? Hello? Surely this question should make Jonah snap out of it, right? It's irrational to be upset about a plant dying. Plants die all the time. In fact, when I started dating Jordan and he gave me flowers, I told them I didn't really like them because plants die. Partly, I also don't know how to take care of them. And so what is Jonah's response? Of course, of course it's right for me to be so mad. Of course it's right for me to be angry. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Is that a reasonable response? Why is God even wasting his time talking to this guy? Clearly, he's stuck in his own way. Does Jonah remind you of someone? Jonah's response reminds me of dealing with a toddler who decided to skip a nap for the day. And so there's no reasoning, and everything is worthy of a tantrum. So this is how I imagine God speaking to Jonah. Listen, Jonah, you've been concerned about this plant. You've shown compassion about this plant. One minute you're happy, one minute you're sad. I'm going to pause here so that I can translate in Spanish. Este es Dios. El Señor, Señor, Dios compasivo, lleno de misericordia, lento para la ira, grande en amor y fidelidad. La palabra hebrea de este tipo de gracia es Hanun. Dios es Hanun. Dios es misericordioso. Y cuando usamos esta gracia en referencia a Dios, esta palabra define quién es Dios. En Éxodos capítulo 34, versículo 6, es la primera vez que Dios describe a sí mismo. Estas son las primeras dos palabras que Dios usa para describirse Él. Misericordioso, compasivo. 
hasta este punto en, la, en las escrituras vemos que otra gente describe quién es Dios. El hecho de que Él sea compasivo y misericordioso es algo que vemos en toda la Biblia. En el capítulo 3 vemos que cuando Jonás predica, no es un sermón bueno, no es un sermón de muchos halagos. Él hace un sabotaje profético. Jonás va al pueblo de Nínive, predica, en hebreo son cinco palabras, en el inglés son ocho, y no les da bastante información, es superficial. Pero Dios usa este sermón superficial para que la gente de Nínive se arrepienta y vuelva a Dios. El mal que Jonás pretendía hacer, Dios toma ese mal y lo convierte en un bien. La pregunta en el versículo 4 dice, ¿tienes alguna razón de enfurecerte tanto? En otras palabras, ¿es correcto que te enojes, Jonás? Porque yo muestro misericordia. Y continuamos en la lectura del versículo 6 al 11, donde vemos que, que aquí de nuevo Jonás otra vez se enoja porque Dios extiende gracia con el pueblo de Nínive. En los versículos 6 al 11 vemos que Jonás se enoja sobre una planta, lo cual en realidad es una ira que está fuera de lugar. Y en el versículo 9 Dios le repite nuevamente la pregunta, pero con un giro. Dios le dice, ¿te parece bien enojarte por la planta? Y de nuevo Dios le pregunta, ¿puede ser que tu ira no te permita mostrar gracia a tus enemigos? Esto seguramente esto hará que Jonás salga de ser irracional. ¿Y cuál es la respuesta de Jonás? Por supuesto que está bien que me enoje. Estoy tan enojado que quisiera morirme. Y dices tú, ¿qué le pasa a este, a este señor? Claramente no está bien. Jonás te hace recordar de alguien. La respuesta de Jonás me hace recordarse de alguien que no se toma una siesta. Y simplemente cualquier cosa pequeña es un problema. Cualquier cosa es razón y motivo de hacer un berrinche. Pero Dios no se da por vencido porque es misericordioso y compasivo, lento para la ira, abundante en amor y en bondad. Está comprometido con Jonás. Vamos a resolver esto juntos. Así es como me imagino que Dios habla con Jonás. So there's no reasoning with Jonah. But God doesn't give up. He doesn't give up because he's gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, abounds in love and kindness. 
and he's committed to Jonah. He's committed to reasoning with him. We're going to work this out. And so I'm going to rewrite the verses 6 through 11. This is how I imagine God is speaking to Jonah. Listen, Jonah, I know you have been concerned about this plant. You've shown compassion towards this plant. One minute you're very happy, the next you're very sad. sad. But why? You didn't really care for this plant. You didn't tend to this plant. plant. It just sprang up overnight. overnight. But that's okay, Jonah. sabotage you made and the death of this plant can you see how I might be concerned about something more significant like thousands of human beings Psalm 145 Verses 8 through 9 says, The Lord, the Lord, is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He is compassion on all he has made. See, Jesus came to bring the good news. That's the essence of the gospel. The good news is that with the peace of God, doesn't come from what I can do, but for what he has already done for me. Even as we stray from God's grace, he heals us and he renews us. God permits at the surface level, he permits us to understand, though at the surface, The pain may seem so unbearable that we just want to die. Just below the surface, grace lets us become endurable. I'm going to repeat that again because I should have heard a lot of amens. Even as we stray from God's grace, he heals us and he renews us. He allows the pain that seems so unbearable just below the surface that grace allows us to become endurable. Me imagino que así fue como Jonás, como Dios le habló a Jonás. Voy a reescribir el versículo 6 al 11. Escúchame, Jonás. Sé que te has preocupado de la planta has mostrado compasión de la planta, has tenido emociones muy extremas, estás contento un minuto, triste otro, por esta planta. Pero no me importa. Quiero decirte que tus emociones son válidas. Voy a validar estas emociones que tienes sobre estas plantas, pero quiero que pongas atención, Jonás. 
Quiero que veas las cosas por mis ojos. Si tú puedes tener emociones tan extremas y tan fuertes sobre esta planta y estar enojado por el sabotaje que cometiste con la ciudad de Nínive, ¿cómo yo no voy a tener compasión y gracia sobre miles de personas? Salmo 145, versículo 8 al 9 dice, Dios es, es misericordioso, tiene compasión, es lento para la ira, rico en amor. Dios es bueno a todo y todo lo, es compasivo con todo lo que Él ha hecho. Jesús vino a traer las, nuev las nuevas nuevas, la nueva nueva. This, esta es la esencia de la palabra de Dios. La paz que nosotros tenemos no viene por todo lo que nosotros hacemos, sino viene por la gracia y la misericordia de Dios. Aunque nosotros nos alejemos de esa gracia de Dios y el dolor puede verse de una manera insignificativa, no tolerable, debajo de esa superficie Dios permite que nosotros permanezcamos. So I'm going to conclude again. The grace permits us to understand that though on the surface the pain may seem unbearable, just below the surface, God's grace lets us become endurable. And I'm going to invite the worship team up. Amen. caminos, cumples promesas, luz en tinieblas, mi Dios, así eres Dios es milagroso y Él abre caminos. Cumple promesas que nosotros ni siquiera sabemos que tenemos deseos. Nuestro Dios es un Padre amoroso. Gracias porque está lleno de compasión y misericordia aunque no lo merezcamos. Nos salvó y nos trae a ser parte de una familia del reino de Dios así lo único que podemos pedir es que nuestra vida sea un reflejo de ese carácter de compasión y de misericordia porque Él es grande Él es misericordioso porque Él es luz en tinieblas que nuestras vidas sean un reflejo y que nuestra ira y nuestro enojo no nos deje ver más allá de las promesas que Él tiene para nosotros. 
en el nombre de Jesús Amén Loving Father, thank you that you are indeed full of compassion and mercy for you stooped down to save me and brought me into your family May my life be a true reflection of your gracious character. In Jesus' name.